What is up, Whisper Nation? Welcome back to part two of Matchup Breakdowns Week 2. We're going to be diving into the rest of this week's matchup. We've got a lot of afternoon games, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game, all of that and more on this episode of the Fantasy Whispers. Right here. That is absolutely right. Like Johnny said, we will be talking the second half of the NFL slate of matchups for week two and all the fantasy football in implications of Sunday's games. But if you like that fresh fantasy football content and you like it daily and you want more of it, consider subscribing on the YouTube channel and give this and our other likes, our other videos alike on your way in. Uh, that being said, Whisper Nation, welcome in. My name is Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. I am joined by Johnny Game Time Hicks, who you can find on Twitter at Johnny underscore Game Time. You heard him on that teaser. What's going on, Johnny? Big game. We got big games this weekend, and I'm excited to dive in. As we go through these games, you see one, you're like, oh, I can't wait to watch this one. Then you get to another one, you're like, oh, there's a lot of interesting storylines here. Still unraveling, still a lot of data that can be revealed this week. Excited for this week. Absolutely, and I'm excited to introduce the other co-host here, Austin Sear, who you can find on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Austin, how are you, my man? Dude, I'm excited for tonight. I got Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin in our league of record. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. So I'm excited for that match to get started in just uh, around five hours. Can't wait to see those guys. Hopefully get a touchdown this week. We're uh, we're hoping for for some big things out of that matchup. If you want to see that full breakdown, go on over to YouTube and check out the video there. Guys, before we get started, I want to talk a little bit. We got Halloween creeping around the corner. All right. Mm -hmm. We're about to bust through September. We've got Halloween in October. I wanted to ask you, we'll ask Johnny what your least favorite Halloween costume was growing up. And then Austin, I'm going to ask you your favorite Halloween costume growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm looking for the the kid costumes because as we got older, of course, (laughs) you know, we got better at doing costumes. But I'm looking for that kid costume, the one that maybe you didn't have as much of a choice in. So, Johnny, I'm. I, I won't lie, dude. I always loved my Halloween costumes. I always had awesome yeah. costumes. My mom loved to make them from scratch. So I had I was like Big Bird one year. I was a, a dope pirate. My mom like like we went all out for Halloween. I loved Halloween, man. I don't have a bad one. Yeah, I have a couple good ones too. I enjoyed being, uh, you know, uh, Donatello from the Ninja Turtles, but I'm really excited to hear Austin because I I have to think he had some really good costumes growing up. I did my favorite one with Spider Man. Yeah, oh, yeah Spider Man. If you're watching on Patreon, you can see Austin has his Spider Man costume on a T-shirt. Uh, yeah, I mean Spider Man's a great one. 1990s, mid 1990s polaroid photo of me standing next to the candy bowl which is sitting on top of a tv tray and i'm in my spider-man costume with a i was gonna say it's plastic mask. no it's a nice one it's a high quality one it's good dude he had uh well yeah he had um what's his name designed that for him dude uh freaking iron man Iron Man designed that costume for us. <laughs> Tony Stark gave Tony that Stark. one for me. Yeah. No, that was the best, Travis. I love Spider-Man one was fantastic. My ninja costume still to this day, I, I, I just remember the – I got it out of a catalog, and it came with so many great props. It had throwing stars, and it had size, and it had some really great uh, tools that I got to uh, – that he still on. has to these to this yeah. day. He well, still uses it. He still takes those ninja stars out once in a while. 
Yeah, he's a vigilante at night. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are going to move on with ninja-like precision through these matchups today. We've got to talk about the Cleveland Browns first, hosting the Houston Texans as massive home favorites, 12.5-point favorites over that Houston Texans squad. Look, we were told coming into this year that Houston was maybe going to be the worst team in the league. Then we saw them do what they did to Jacksonville. Now we might get that statement game to let us know that Houston is going to be the worst team in the league, or maybe they'll be second. You know, they're definitely going to be bottom tier. Cleveland is going to come in here and probably stomp them down. But Austin, some um, um, big things emerged out of the running back room for the Texans. We talked about it being a 30 for 30 situation, 30 running backs, all 30 years old and whatnot. But how are we seeing Mark Ingram uh, here? Because he actually ended up on the waiver wire column. He ended up a hot ad because of his volume last week against Jacksonville. Yeah, and he should. 26 carries. Nobody saw that one coming given the preseason narrative with those three different running backs and David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, and Mark Ingram. We had predicted David Johnson to be in that receiving back role, and that's what he did. But we saw Philip Lindsay taking over the early down work, and that's not what we saw in week one there. Philip Lindsay had just eight carries for 25 yards. Mark Ingram is the one who stood out because of the opportunity given. He had 26 carries, but just 85 yards, Travis, and he ranked 90, number 90 in rush grade from Pro Football Focus. Um, Both other backs in Philip Lindsay and David Johnson scored higher on their week one performances. So this number to me needs to come down, that number being his opportunity load. He got 26 carries. He managed 85 yards. He didn't look phenomenal doing it. I have no reason why they would keep pounding the rock with Ingram in this way. They should disperse the ball around with their other backs, at least to see what they got. I would take Mark Ingram of the three at this point, but I'm not surprised if these roles change and they change often in Houston. Yeah, speaking of roles changing, we wanted to see if the role would change at all in the wide receiving room because we knew that's probably going to be an area of the field you'd like to go and attack. As a fantasy football manager, you want to be able to snag one of these pass catchers. Brandon Cooks, Danny Amendola, Nico Collins all kind of working in the mix last week. You saw Brandon Cooks go five for seven for 132 yards. You saw Danny Amendola catch all five of his targets for 34 and a touchdown. Kind of, you know, saw Brandon Cooks do exactly what we thought he could do as a volume monster on this offense and uh, on a bad team. I I continue to roll Brandon Cooks out there. I think he's on the wide receiver three radar each and every week now because of the way he's going to get volume in this offense and be somebody they attack through the air. Danny Amendola, I won't be starting him this week. I only want Cooks in the passing attack for now, but Amendola could find himself on the waiver column next week with another solid performance. You could see this start to heat up because, again, I think there could be valuable um, pieces, especially in PPR in this offense as it continues to try and climb back in games. And that being said, Johnny, does that open the door for someone like Tyrod Taylor as a streamable option uh, in the coming weeks? I, I mean, maybe not this week, but as we get closer to better matchups for Houston. Well, I actually do think it could be a potential for Tyrod to like in a deep, deep league, you know, um, if you need to stream a quarterback as your super flex or whatever, I do think Tyrod is an option this week because we do expect them to be behind a lot. So like 12 and a half points is the spread. So you expect Tyrod and this offense to be throwing to be because they're going to be down. So you could get some garbage time, some catch up points there. So I actually do think that Tyrod, if you're desperate, he actually isn't too bad. And I think moving forward, you're going to get kind of the same narrative because Houston is a bad team. So they're going to have to pass the ball a lot. Well, a good team is the Cleveland Browns. They took the Chiefs uh, to the limit last week. But one of the bigger stories, John or Austin, is that OBJ announced out 
uh, early on in the week. They went from going all the way up to the wire last Sunday to telling you very early that OBJ would be out. So really, when we look at this, is it Landry and anyone else for them in the passing attack? You know, it's going to be someone else other than Landry. It's just going to be difficult to predict which other wide receiver outside of Jarvis Landry it could be over there in Cleveland. It would either be Anthony Schwartz or Peoples-Jones. Peoples-Jones had some hype coming in after a positive training camp, and it was a little bit of a disappointing and surprising line following those positive reports, just one for one, four yards. There's no way you're going to start that out until you see a dramatic change uh, from Peoples-Jones and Cleveland. The other option could be Anthony Schwartz. He was the number two option last week. He caught three of his five targets for 69 yards. Nice. But the rookie really should not be relied on Travis. His snap share was third on the team, despite him being that number two wide receiver. And that's a combo I just really hate seeing when you got a guy who's the three or the four, but who finished as the, the two or the one. It gives this false sense that he's going to be the guy when he really was just in an opportunistic position and took advantage of it it's Jarvis Landry he went five for five he had 71 yards and this week in Houston they're going up against the 29th ranked pass defense I love Jarvis Landry this week with or without OBJ without him it's even better that tight end room is a little bit convoluted Johnny uh look looking at secondary pass catchers or the opportunity for secondary pass catchers we saw Austin Hooper get brought in with a fat contract last year we saw David Njoku openly not like this team in the media but then all of a sudden, this offseason said he wants to be a Cleveland Brown for the rest of his career. So now we got a situation where Najoku has a good week one. Can you project any kind of substance out of this tight end core? Could it be that they told him that he would be more heavily involved in the game plan this mm. year? And that might be why he changed his tune. It, it could be. Uh, also, I want to just point out, like, this is the breakout age for David Njoku. He's been in the year a few uh, in the league a few years now, and this is ten, what we tend to see. We always knew that Njoku was this monster athlete and really good potential, really high upside. He just has never seemed to quite put it all together. This could be the year we do know this offense uses a tight end. We all presumed it would be Austin Hooper, uh, but he only saw three targets. They all came on the opening drive, and then it was David Njoku who got uh, and actually led this team in targets in week one. Uh, I will say Houston's defense allowed the 15th fewest fantasy points to tight ends in 2020, but they allowed Jacksonville Jaguars tight ends, Jameis O'Shaughnessy and Chris Monhurts. Manhurts, uh, dude. Manhurts, sorry, thank you, uh, to combine for seven catches and 70 yards and a touchdown in week one. So there definitely is potential in this game. Like we said, heavy favorites for Cleveland. They've got to score points in order to get there. So I do think if you're in a uh, spot where you're kind of searching for a tight end, I do think uh, Njoku is an interesting look this week. Really quick there with Njoku, people forget that he's a first round pick who two years ago was on his way to being in that tight end one consideration. He had that really gnarly fall and he had an injury and then they ended up bringing in Austin Hooper. I was a surprise to me. They brought him in because I thought Njoku was on the up and up and was slotted to be a top tight end in the NFL. Austin Hooper put a little bit of a damper on that, but every Sunday can change that to Johnny's point there. I'm, I'm liking Njoku moving forward, especially for the Browns, maybe not for fantasy football, but definitely for the Browns. That's an awesome combo. 
Yeah, I think that's the the key there. Maybe not for fantasy football. I just don't know because I do know one thing about this offense. It's running through the run game, and that has affected Baker Mayfield. This is what we feared with Baker. Without OBJ, the offense doesn't seem to have this high ceiling, and the team just doesn't need him to be that guy. Austin had pointed that out last week. They just don't need it right now. You look at the running backs, both backs over 14 PPR fantasy points and 17 touches for Chubb to nine for Hunt. I'm rolling out Chubb, of course. Obviously, you drafted him, and I'm rolling out Hunt in in pretty much most situations uh, as a guy that's going to continue to see about eight to 10 to 12 touches a game, just depending on what they need out of him. But they use him in the red zone. They use him in the passing game. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of what they're doing at the running back position in Cleveland. Moving on to our next game, we have the Carolina Panthers hosting the New Orleans Saints. This is a 44 point over under with Carolina row or home dogs to the New Orleans Saints by three and a half points and I think the biggest situation we're looking at with you know the Saints is Jameis Winston was named the starter he came in and was highly effective I mean mind-boggling stat line here uh, 14 of 20 148 yards only through the air but five touchdowns he also had six carries for 37 yards I'm rocking with Winston again this week against Carolina it's a bottom 10 ranked unit against the pass I had Winston as a top waiver ad and the QB position in the waiver wire column this week and I think that's because he's able to really dig in here and Sean Payton's scheme some things that are really good for him I want to know Austin what we can make of the other pass catcher or of the pass catchers in New Orleans because we thought Callaway would be the guy it ended up being a, a mix of some other guys but it was a low volume affair for Winston so maybe we really didn't see what we needed to to get a you know a, a our, our finger on the pulse for this pass catcher we did not see what we needed to to get a pulse on this passing attack Travis and I don't know how anybody could argue that we did when Jameis Winston threw the ball just 20 times 14 completions for 148 yards and five touchdowns it's one of the craziest quarterbacking stat lines I can remember seeing five touchdowns and under 150 yards just wild so with that Given there's only 20 chucks of the ball the entire game from Jameis, I can't really apply that sample size to any meaningful predictions from Marquez Callaway, Deontay Harris, or Jawan Johnson, tight end wide receiver for this for the Saints, um, nor for Adam Troutman. I gotta go with the preseason predictions and narratives still. I just didn't see any reason to buck them given the week one weirdness in that Green Bay and New Orleans game. Good for whoever you started in New Orleans, and if they went off, nice. I, I like Jameis in this from a fantasy perspective, but I would still stick with Marquez Callaway despite his poor performance last week. Johnny called it on the show, right? He said that he likes Marquez Callaway at least in the first half of the season, pending what Mar uh, Michael Thomas ends up doing. But last week, Marquez Callaway was slated to go against Jair Alexander with the Packers. Um, lockdown cornerback this week in Carolina. Things should be a little bit different. Um, Callaway is still looking like that number one, at least schematically, um, despite that last week dud. It's just such a strange performance. I'm not taking too much from it, and I'm going to stick with what I thought before that. I am interested if Johnny has any other takes because he's been the one banging the Callaway drum and has been on point with a lot of these. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm sticking with Callaway. If you want to play him in this game, uh, I think it's a, a good matchup. A good spot to do it. And I want to talk about a good spot for these running backs and, and really running backs here, Johnny, because we've seen in the past that Sean Payton's used multiple backs. Uh, we saw it with Alvin Kamara and Ingram. We saw it briefly with Latavius Murray when he was still kind of rocking there. Now we've got Tony Jones, who's established himself as that backup to Kamara, but saw some good usage in week one. 
Yeah, I do think it's going to be uh, a guy you're going to want to kind of keep your your thumb on. You're going to want to keep monitoring. Obviously, Alvin Kamara, one of the best running back you know, pieces you can have in the game. So if anything happens to Kamara, I do think that Jones is one of those guys that you could potentially see win some leagues. Uh, I'm not saying we want anything to happen to Kamara or anything that is going to happen to Kamara, but it is of note that Tony Jones did see 11 carries for 50 yards. So it's a, it's a healthy amount of work there. I'm not saying you flex him this week, but he definitely should be on your radar. I do want to note uh, that Carolina is 21st in rushing defense and that Alvin Kamara last week, he had 24 total touches, but 20 of them were rushing attempts, which was only the second time in his entire career that he has had over 20 attempts in a game. It'll be interesting if we see this uh, continue to move forward as uh, you know Michael Thomas continues to be out and as this offense kind of searches and finds its way with Jameis Winston. It's definitely something to note. Something to note is that Christian McCaffrey's workload was fully engaged to what we saw before for the Carolina Panthers. 21 carries, 98 yards, 9 of 9 receiving 89 yards. Those nine catches, guys, more than the following week one wide receiver. CeeDee Lamb, Cooper Cup, and Sterling Shepard. 94% of the RB touches in week one. I just want to say this because I, I feel like going forward we have no more concerns about CMC's workload. We got the answer that we wanted out of week one. He he scored the number one in fantasy football for a running back position and did not score a touchdown. That's <laughs> insane. That's uh, insane. That's just workload, baby. We'd say yeah. volume's king, and that is the exact exact reason why. When I look at the other weapons for this offense, Austin, that's where we get another question, Mark, because we wanted Darnold to come in and maybe tell us what happens with these wide receivers because we've seen so many different roles for them over the years. Did he reset the roles of these wide receivers or do you feel confident you know what they're going to be for the season? Well, keep in mind, every week you're going to get new information and you should apply that new information to your thinking. But your question was, did Sam Darnold reset the roles? I think he actually kind of reinforced the roles for me, Travis. We got DJ Moore, we got Robbie Anderson and the rookie Terrace Marshall, whom we expect to be playing out of the slot. And that's what we saw. Terrace Marshall had a 53% snap percentage compared to 81% for both DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. So that's kind of what we expected, right? DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson as that one and as that two. DJ Moore led the team with eight targets, caught six of them for 80 yards. Robbie Anderson was the surprise for me. He did have that 57-yard touchdown play, which made his stat line look pretty solid. But it was really just one catch on three targets. So that output was performing. Excuse me. That output was surprising to me to see Robbie Anderson play 81% of the snaps and only receive three targets. But it's understandable taking a look at the aforementioned Christian McCaffrey, who received nine targets, led the entire team, not just the wide receiving core in targets. So I expect Christian McCaffrey to lead the team in targets often, which is going to then eat into Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall's opportunity. Well, and, I, and that's that's what I just I mean, maybe we expected that, obviously, for Robbie when we were talking about CMC coming into the year. But I just think that Robbie was a guy that last year flashed not just the deep threat ability. And so we were kind of discussing what what that would be coming into the year. And last week, it just looked like that's what they're going to use him. DJ Moore will be the compiler and Robbie will probably be the deep play threat. And I think we're getting answers to that as the season goes on for sure. But that's what kind of what I was looking at when we look at week one. 
Johnny, I wanted to ask you about Sam Darnold. Did he show enough? Obviously, I don't I don't think we're streaming him this week after what the Saints did to Aaron Rodgers, but did we see enough out of Darnold to be confident in the offense moving forward? I am I did gain confidence in this offense moving forward because uh Sam Darnold threw for 279 yards. That's pretty I know it wasn't the most difficult matchup last week, but that, you know, you looked at Gase, he was struggling to get over 200 passing yards with Gase as the off or as his head coach. So I do think that like we've been talking about, I do think that uh, these pieces are going to be fine. Minus Robbie Anderson. I don't, I I don't think uh, he's going to be, I think he's going to be a a boomer bust player, but uh, yeah, I'm, I think better days ahead for Sam Darnold. He'll probably make some waiver wire uh, streams of the week, actually uh, later on this year. All right, moving on to the next game, Johnny and Austin's Arizona Cardinals hosting the Minnesota Vikings in a 51-point over-under. We love the over-under here. Arizona favored by four and a half at home. One of the you know perplexing storylines coming out of week one was K.J. Osborne, who emerged as a you know top option in the Minnesota passing attack in week one in that overtime game against Cincinnati. Austin, I really just want to ask if K.J. Osborne is an emergence of a actual threat here or more of a flash in the pan going forward. I like KJ in dynasty. I like KJ as an opportunistic flex, but the second year former special teams player is going to have a tough time producing that consistent output with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen still on the team, not to mention Dalvin cook as well. Um, Minnesota is not Dallas and Kirk cousin is not Dak. So I'm not going to be relying on KJ Osborne really for anything. But Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen look really good, uh, both um, with nine-plus targets. Adam Thielen, of course, with the two touchdowns um, and 90%-plus snap percentages for both of those. I like those two wide receivers. I'm going to hold my breath and see what KJ Osborne produces. I'm just going to enjoy watching. I'm not going to rely on him for anything. Interesting take on uh, Tyler Conklin here. You know, four out of four, just 41 yards last week. I just would keep an eye on that as we see Osborne and his usage flex fluctuate. He could be somebody we were projecting a Irv Smith breakout. Um, if we were projecting that, then maybe Conklin has room here. So just keep an eye on that. Johnny, you said, uh, you know, off off show that you might have a little bit of concern with Cook. You saw some things in last week, maybe coming into this matchup. How are you seeing Dalvin Cook in this running game? Well, I just I just wanted to make note of it because you looked at Dalvin Cook's usage last week. Again, workhorse usage got 27 total touches, uh, but his yards per carry were down. Whereas you look at Alexander Madison only got two total touches last week. It'll be interesting to see because uh, Dalvin Cook only averaged 3.05 yards per carry, which was the lowest yards per carry in his last two years. So it will be interesting to see if, uh, you know, Minnesota notice this you know like their analytics team notices and tries to keep him a little bit more fresh you know moving in and barring because it's a longer season uh so it will be very interesting to monitor that moving forward but you're still getting him in your lineup uh you know it'll be an interesting matchup against this uh arizona cardinals defense who look to be you know the real deal we'll see if that continues this week but uh it could be another kind of somewhat struggly day for for dalvin cook struggly day yeah i say struggly day because it was like dalvin cook you kept looking at at your score last week if you had him and you're just like why isn't he doing more like you know he's getting these opportunities and that might be where it's at like there might be a lot of opportunities but it might be a, a low yardage output because of the way this game could go 
Might just be a little struggly for him. Might just be a little struggly for Kirk Cousins, who went 36 of 49, 351 yards and a two touchdowns, borderline QB1 performance against Cincinnati. And he now is in one of the highest over-unders of the week. But I am fading Kirk Cousins in this matchup. He will be a sit for me because Chandler Jones and this defense make Tannehill look silly last week. And the Cardinals were a top 10 pass defense coming into the year, and they showed very little cracks uh, in that defense last week against Tennessee. Um, it's is a very similar offense for me in Minnesota than what Tennessee had. So for Arizona, it's a game plan that's similar. Stop the run and stop the two wide receivers. You know, it's really plain and simple for them. And I just think Kirk Cousins walking into a big trap here in this game on the Arizona side of the football. Johnny, I want to ask you about Chase Edmonds. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like I, I just over. the cracking up over the stop the run, stop the pass, and that's how you win. Like well, yeah. I mean, I just mean like they're they're not multifaceted. We right. know what they are, right? Like yeah. we know it's one big dog in the run game and two big dogs in the wide receiving game. It just, and I just don't. I mean, it definitely made sense. Similar. Yeah, it definitely you know, made sense. Right. It's just like when just, you think you about just it, have it's to like, stop everything, and then you'll be able to win. Yeah. The game. yeah. yeah. The person who scores more points wins the game. <laughs> uh, I want to talk, Johnny, about the the running backs in Arizona because Chase Edmonds and James Conner were both mixed in in this game. Maybe the game flow was a little different than we expected. Uh, how are you feeling about your boy Chase Edmonds? Yeah, let's talk about it, shall we, boys? Oh, baby. I'm telling you right now, if you are in a league and you need a running back help, Go target Chase Edmonds right now because people still don't believe in him. That even though he had a decent week one or pretty solid week one, I should say, uh, people will look at the box score. Oh, he only had 12 carries to uh, James Conner, 16. Oh, that must mean James Conner is the guy. And it, it isn't uh, Chase Edmonds. We, we, you know, analysts got it right. Well, not so fast. You got to look at this game and what and how it projected out. You also, I went back and watched the tape. I'll be I'll be straight up on and some people might think there's a little bit of bias in here, but I'm being on James Conner looked like garbage. He looked like hot garbage. He was slow. He couldn't break anything. Uh, they got they gave him multiple goal line attempts uh, or, or, you know, um, in the red zone attempts. Couldn't do anything with them, kept getting stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised to actually see Chase Edmonds start to maybe get a little bit of usage there just to see what he could do in that red zone area. But I will also say that Chase Edmonds was fully used. He was the only one to get receptions, four out of four uh, from the receiving game, which we did know that was in his realm uh, of possibilities for this for this year. But you're definitely going to play him in this game. He is. He just didn't score a touchdown, and that's why a lot of people aren't talking about. It. But he had a very solid game. The Cardinals are going to use him, and uh, so I've put in Chase Edmonds as an RB two this week. And if you're desperate, then sure. He might get James Conner might get enough usage in order to and fall forward for a touchdown, maybe. Um, But I'll tell you, James Conner did not look good. So if you have to cut him for another piece, I would be okay with that, too. I will talk about Nuke now and the pass catchers in this offense. Uh, Look, Hopkins did his thing. We we knew that was probably going to be a ha- uh, you know something that happens. Obviously, you draft him as such. But Kyler Murray actually distributed the ball very well last week among his weapons. Uh, this air raid getting a bit more vertical in week one. We saw both Kirk and Christian Kirk and DeAndre Hopkins over twelve yards in their average depth of target. Um, I'm actually comfortable rolling out Kirk 
or green in this matchup uh, as secondary pieces. And because I just love the over under, I really like what they're going to have to do in this game. And I really like what I see out of the offense with the added weapons. I mean, look at all these wide receivers, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, and DeAndre Hopkins of those uh, wide receivers all got 68 or more receiving yards last week. We had two touchdowns for Hopkins, two touchdowns for Kirk. There's a lot of weapons here, and I think I want to be invested in this passing attack because prior to Kingsbury's hire, or when he was hired, and he got Kyler Murray, we thought this offense was going to push the ball down the field. It hasn't done that yet, and we're starting to see the cracks of it doing so. And what does that mean? It means the K1 is QB1. Right now, Austin, he's a guy that we you know thought that this could happen with, and he is just looking like the ceiling is the roof here or the floor yeah. or the only thing standing <laughs> I, we all know what you're saying on this one man the only thing standing in kyler's way is his health and maybe um, some hair jabs from his fellow captain chandler jones but i'm not really concerned about the latter real talk though there's a simple path to kyler murray finishing as the quarterback number one in fantasy and a cardinals fan or not this is going to be a really fun team and a really fun player to watch Absolutely. We will move on to our next game, which has a really fun team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting maybe a not so fun team right now in the Atlanta Falcons. This is a 52 point over under with Tampa Bay favored by a whopping 12 and a half points at home. They return with the extra rest after the Thursday night opener, and they're going to face an Atlanta team that we just have a lot of concerns uh, with right now after one performance. But Austin, I'll start with you and the running game because Mike Davis was a guy we thought was absolutely actually just poised for so much volume and it wouldn't matter how bad Atlanta was because his volume would actually float him. And we saw something in Corderell Patterson that this offense was maybe trying to keep a secret and they're trying to use a little more. You know, I talked about this the last couple of weeks, easy come, easy go. And mm. is Mike Davis in a split? Well, it's a lopsided split with Mike Davis collecting 75% of those snaps in week one, Cordero Patterson finishing with 33%. So clearly Davis had the workload in his favor. But with that, Cordero Patterson did score a bit higher on Pro Football Focus's rush grade as well as pass blocking grade over Davis. Patterson also finished with more yards and was more efficient in earning those yards. Davis won the fantasy score because of his added receiving work, which nobody, though, would really be surprised to see Cordero Patterson eat into given his history as a wide receiver. So is this a split? It wasn't really after week one, um, 15 carries to seven carries, but moving forward, it probably should be if Atlanta wants to gain first downs, put up points, and at the end of it, win football games. I, I do want to note on that split, because uh, it is important to know, uh, that in the first half, it was actually uh, Cordero Patterson had seven snaps or carries, and Davis had 11, and then, ele- and then Davis had the only four after the after halftime so they just abandoned the run completely so it will be interesting it could be a lot more 50 50 than what we initially think especially not in this game they're gonna abandon the run again in this game right which means that patterson actually should get more usage because he's that wide receiver kind of uh role i mean we'll see i mean i know johnny's been hyping up on on patterson i I know yeah i know you're 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 in on patterson for sure we will see what how this i just feel like we've seen this story before with Patterson where they try to make him some sort of RB backup and it doesn't really pan out. Um, and I don't well, know never if I seen have storyline with Mike Davis where they try to make him a starter. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, this team just really gives me the heebie jeebies right get, now. Can we, we get start- a Logan Thomas breakout at the running back from the human glitch code? <laughs> 
and and Patterson, could this be the year? Uh, crazy year. Nine years in? Uh, nine I don't years know, in? but uh, you you sure have your confidence in it. We'll see what happens. Uh, this offense, I don't have confidence in right now. Matt Ryan, I mean, we've talked about before in years about the transition that it hasn't been good when he has a new uh, play caller. He did not show well uh, over or under 200 yards. Uh, didn't throw a touchdown, was sacked three times. This team was penalized 12 times for 99, 99 yards. No Julio, new coach, bad line play, no thank you. Uh, we're going to enter in Tampa Bay. I'm concerned for Ryan's well-being this week. And then when we look to Calvin Ridley, I think that's the big story here because nobody outside of Ridley in the passing game uh, was really utilized as far as wide receivers concerned. He got eight targets, only got 51 yards. Um, I have to give Johnny credit here. I am concerned for Ridley, but it's for different reasons than Johnny was concerned. I will say that I think his volume could carry him here, but the schedule is brutal to start. We have Tampa Bay this week, then the Giants, then the Washington football team. So some nasty fronts against a low-confidence line. We could see some ugly outputs from this passing attack, from this team in general. And uh, so, I mean, Johnny, I don't I don't know if you want to make a, a case for Kyle Pitts at all. He did see some good usage, but uh, not somebody we're really confident in rolling out right no I would definitely I would sit him this week especially against Tampa Bay uh you know you'd like the usage once again tied with Ridley um but it's just a difficult matchup sit him this week if you can all right, Austin, when we moved to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we saw a scoring party, a passing plethora of options for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, except for a man who looked a little lonely on Thursday night, and that was Mike Evans. Are we concerned? Yeah. Is Mike Evans in trouble this year? Well, look at week one, three for six, 24 yards, not great, but I'm not concerned just yet. Keep in mind that that lack of concern from me comes from the built-in expectations I have for Mike Evans, and those expectations come from what we've seen him do in years past. Evans can be a bit of a volatile player, and with as many weapons as Tampa Bay has, that volatility is going to continue and possibly increase. Last season, Mike Evans had three games of 10 yards or less and two games of three yards or less despite playing 90 percent plus of those snaps in all of those games nobody comps to mike evans on this team really not with the size and the speed and the ability he's going to have a role on this winning high scoring team in tampa now will mike evans be a part of he will be a part of a winning team but is he going to be a part of your winning team that's difficult to say if you're going to be relying on him this team is just so dynamic and balanced um, to offer you consistent production, but every week you are going to have an opportunity to see Mike Evans do what Mike Evans has always done, and that's catch awesome passes, catch touchdowns, um, and do good things for his quarterback. It's kind of a wild concept when we're looking at this passing attack. It's like everybody seems to be an auto start except for maybe Mike Evans this, you know, now after week one, but I'm still starting Mike Evans. I think he's one of those guys you can really ro roll out there as the bounce back candidate for all the reasons that Austin said and just trying to be a part of this this offense and really go after it. Uh, Johnny, what does that mean for Gronk? Because he seems to be a guy that we weren't actually high on, you know, as an industry coming into the year, but had a great week one performance. Are we actually, is Gronk better than we thought he could be? I think he could, I think he could be going back to the, I, I think this could be a year where Tom Brady, we talked about the Tom Brady touchdown record. It, I think they're going for that. Uh, I, I have to shout out to Philly Chelsea. She stated or she sent us a stat in one of our DMs where she was talking about the tight end and uh, quarterback, you know, touchdown record. And Gronk and uh, Tom Brady are not that far from it. And so I could see them going after that, you know, record this year. It's a possibility. And if that happens, then Gronk could be in for a mega, mega 
tutty uh, season. I do want to point this out. Second on the team in targets and Hayden Winks on Twitter. Since the week 13 bye, Gronk has averaged nine and a half half PPR points a game. So I think no matter what, you're locking him in there. You, you feel confident. OJ Howard coming back slow from that injury. Uh, and, and I do think that this could be a big, big year. If you got Gronk in your line, I, you know, I, I feel bad because I didn't take him too seriously or seriously enough coming into the season. And I, and I should have because he's looking like a real steal. And just a point of clarification on that record that Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski are going for, it's the all-time quarterback to any wide receiver record currently held by Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison at 114 total touchdowns. That's regular season and postseason combined. I think Tom Brady and Gronk are like 10 away. Nice. I was just going to ask you if you knew the number. Uh, yeah, 10 or 12. That looks, that looks like something they're going to try and smash this year for sure. Give yeah. the old Gronk smash. As far as Brady goes, the only thing to hurt Brady in this one could be the game script. They're 12 and a half point favorites at home, but he's a top five option this week. Um, and, and until further notice, really, uh, right now, I want to talk about the running back backfield uh, real quick because Ronald Jones, uh, apparently out of the doghouse now, was was named the starter. You can, you know, you can trust that you or not. It? I, I do. So I, I am going to roll out Ronald Jones. Call me crazy. I'm rolling him out here. I think he is going to get another shot to be the lead dog, and this is a great game to do so. Miles Sanders last week uh, against these Atlanta Falcons, over 100 scrimmage yards and 15 PPR points. I'm rolling out Ronald Jones. I know there's a split here, but I think it's it. this is the game to do it if you've got him and you're looking for some confidence because they are 12.5-point home favorites here. All right, moving on to the next matchup, we have the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Tennessee Titans in another massive over-under, 54-point over-under here with the Seattle Seahawks favored by five and a half at home. Austin, we shot, we, we, we've seen in our DMs, we've seen all over Twitter that maybe, you know, we saw it before the season that maybe Henry's got some cracks in the armor. Then we saw in week one after they had a bad game that are there some cracks in the armor? How are we feeling about Derrick Henry? Where's our panic meter at? The cracks in Derrick Henry's armor are coming from the same blow to Tom Brady's armor. And the same cracks in Tom Brady's armor are the same cracks in Derrick Henry's armor. That's we don't see any actual cracks. We're just making predictions. We're saying, hey, we got a 27-year-old running back who's put a lot of tread on these tires, and I think this is the year he's going to fall off, just like we got a 44-year-old quarterback who we say, yeah, I just think this is the year he's going to fall off. Derrick Henry has gotten better and better over the last couple of seasons. Last week's performance was obviously disappointing, but Travis, it's really not that far out of the realm of what Derrick Henry puts down on a regular season basis, even in one of these amazing season finishes. You know, we look at his last year, uh, last season, he's going to have games of sub four yards per carry, which is what he had uh, in week one, where he had just uh, 17 carries um, and, and then just under four yards per carry there. Last season, he had four games of sub four yards per carry. The difference, though, in those games was that he was still getting 20, 25 plus rush attempts in this week one he only had 17. So I am actually also intrigued by the four targets that Derrick Henry received. Um, that could be a uh, increase to his ceiling if he does keep getting uh, targets with Darianton Evans sidelined. Um, I'm going to look forward to monitoring that. I'm going to look forward to monitoring Henry. Father time is undefeated. There is a ton of tread on these tires. But as we know, no one really has played the running back position the way Derrick Henry has. So the ultimate question, though, is what are you going to do with him, right? Um, are you going to bench him? No. 
They're not going to bench Derrick Henry. Are you going to trade him a top five pick after a down game when his value is depressed? No, you're not going to do that. So you're going to put him in your starting lineup and you're going to hope for the best and you're going to be excited to watch him stiff arm people into the ground. I think that's coming sooner than later. Um, But you obviously have to keep an eye on it. The question is, what do you do if he is on the downward? But I don't think it's the point in it's not in the timeline right now to call that. Um, Just sit tight and enjoy your pick. Yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because last year we got after a couple bad weeks, we got the same kind of questions about Derrick Henry. You know, what are we supposed to do? Do we trade him? Get rid of him? Please stop panicking. It's Derrick freaking Henry. He's the big dog. If he continues to get volume, it's going to pan out. We'll see after a couple weeks if it's the same story. Johnny, I wanted to ask you because the, the you know, Johnny, other you than a bet. You want to make a bet on Derrick Henry? I see your face the whole time. I'm, you want to make a bet I'm, on him? I know I'm, I'm, I am worried about him. I, I, I am worried. That offensive line is not what we thought it was. It did not look good last week. Fair if point. that offensive line, that was, I mean, against reason. Chandler Jones, oh, I, I understand. But again, that's what I'm saying. If we see it again, where Derrick Henry, that offensive line is not gelling and not being the good offensive line that Derrick Henry has enjoyed over the last couple of years. It could be uh, that paired with the fact that he's getting older and I don't expect, uh, I mean, he didn't, a lot of the receiving work did not go to Derrick Henry uh, on the Sunday game. They used uh, McNichols, I Very believe is this. Uh, he was heavily involved in the passing game, which I do think will continue. So I, I do see some troubling concerns uh, for this team, for sure, for Derrick Henry. But I'm not I mean, I don't think the I don't, right I don't think the offensive line's bad. It was middle of the road ranked. It was actually the top six offensive line uh, for rushing coming in. So we'll see if that right. clears out. I think this is actually a good matchup for them to try and establish what they do well, which includes those pass catchers, Johnny. And really, Julio Jones is the question here. We're starting A.J. Brown. He had a fine game last week. He was the only one on the Titans you enjoyed. Uh, but Julio Jones is somebody that I'm going to write about as a must start this week. Um, do you see it as a good opportunity for Jones to get right here? Yeah, he didn't have the best week one against the Cardinals, but he should look to bounce back this week. I am starting him against the Seahawks. Only saw six targets in week one and was held about 50% uh, reset or was held to 50% reception on those for just 29 yards. So uh, once again, you might be a little hesitant to say, oh, you know, is he already on the heavily decline? I do think that uh, he will have a bounce back game against the Seahawks defense where you can pass on him. I want to talk about Ryan Tannehill because I know there's some concern out there after a poor uh, performance against Chandler Jones and company last week. This is a spot for Tanny to bounce back in a big way. Seattle's bottom tier passing attack. This is the second highest over under the week. Once again, in my starts it uh, portion, I am smashing on Tannehill this week. I think it's a good spot for this offense to get right. As we move on to the Seattle Seahawks, it starts and ends with Russ cooking, but in such a very hyper-efficient way last week, Austin, for Russell Wilson. How excited are you for this, for the outlook for the uh, Seahawks and in this game against Tennessee? Well, I love the efficiency. I don't like the lack of volume. 23 pass attempts in week one would have been Russell Wilson's fewest pass attempts all of last season. Now, he was hyper-efficient with those throws. Love that, netting over 35 fantasy points on just with just 254 passing yards. That's because of the four touchdowns that he received, and he was the quarterback eight on the week. 
really great work. And I'm honestly not fading him this week or overall on the season, Travis, um, because that's because of how good a quarterback Russell Wilson is. He constantly evolves. Um, he can handle a change in the system or approach because of the weapons that he's surrounded by and because of his overall skill and dedication to the position. Look, this isn't great news to see just 23 pass attempts um, and to need hyper efficiency to produce the numbers he did. You'd rather see him chuck it 58 times or whatever, but you'll take those touchdowns. Um, the offense is going to be active. We'll know Russ loves working uh, at that candy store dishing out lollipops that one's for you chris collinsworth uh, I've, i'm not i'm okay with russell wilson but i am tempering some expectations on this because it is a more balanced offense than we've seen in years past this certainly isn't the let russ cook narrative we saw rolling out in 2020 johnny that that means that we know the narrow target tree we know dk we know tyler lockett we know what we're going to get probably from them and we're probably rolling them out in this matchup given the over under but i wanted to talk about gerald everett because i love what everett's able to do here uh or what what everett could be able to do if he's established as the third option in this offense so i just want to you said probably rolling out lockett and dk no you you Get him. You get both of them in your lineup. You saw what the, you saw what the Cardinals did to this defense last week. That's this is going to be exactly what Seattle's going to do this week. They're going to roast this defense with Lockett and with DK. You're definitely getting those two in your lineup. As far as Everett goes, listen, he was one of those late round dart throws that we. There is some potential there. However. Low usage, week one, only two targets, did catch both of them, but he only was uh, Will Disley split time with. Will Disley actually um, uh, caught the t- – or excuse me, Will Disley actually had more uh, targets than uh, Everett did. I know Everett caught the touchdown. It could be an emerging thing over time, but I'm not looking to get him in my lineup this week. Johnny had talked about Christian McCaffrey being the overall number one uh, running back, having not even scored. Well, Chris Carson was a top 24 uh, PPR RB without scoring and fumbling uh, 16 carries, 91 yards, three out of three uh, receiving for 26 yards through the air. Just absolutely loving his outlook, especially after Penny went to the IR and look at that work in the passing game. We got three catches for Carson. We want to continue to see that that would put him in the RB one territory for us. If he could get some more work in the passing game. All right, moving on to the next matchup. We have the chargers hosting the Cowboys in a massive over-under, 55-point over-under. The Chargers at home at SoFi Stadium, favored by just three points. This has fantasy like points just dripping off the page here uh, in this matchup. And so, John or Austin, I want to start with you. I started with you last week uh, in Dallas as well, talking about Zeke. And I want to know if Zeke's going to be able to join the party um, as a scorer, as, as scoring points this week in this juicy matchup. Yeah, I think he does. The Chargers have the 28th ranked run defense right now. And despite that disappointing week one debut going up against Tampa Bay's really almost impenetrable run defense, uh, Zeke was on the field for 83% of the snaps versus Pollard's 24. My real only concern here for Ezekiel Elliott, significant concern, the guy that could, the the move that could really take out his legs would be Pollard's involvement. Now, I think Zeke is going to come down just a little bit because this is Dak's team now and Mike McCarthy is the head coach and we know that he just loves to throw the ball all the time. We saw that over there in Green Bay. But your question was about, is Zeke going to find the end zone? This game's got a 55-point line. Um, there are just going to be too many opportunities uh, for this Dallas offense and going up against this vulnerable Los Angeles Chargers defense for Zeke to not find his way in the end zone. If you give me the over-under at 0.5, I'm smashing that over. 
Yeah, I agree, and I'm I'm looking. I'm going to be looking for that on Underdog Fantasy, which we'll talk about after this matchup, uh, because I think there's going to be an opportunity for you to make some money, Johnny. I want to talk about the pass catchers because we saw Amari Cooper come Cooper come out and just dominate uh, on Thursday night, and CD looked good too. He just had a little bit of inconsistency there. We're going to get a more well-rounded approach out of CD. I think maybe those nerves are behind him. He, he kind of rounded out into form there. Yeah, you saw him have a couple of drops in week one, which, you know, again, they were on that against the Super Bowl champs on primetime game opening game possibly got the jitters out. Hopefully we do know CD did. He was up there in uh, drops last year as well. So we'll see and continue to monitor that. But you like the healthy amount of targets for both of these two. I would put him in your lineup, even though it is a little bit more difficult of a matchup. The Chargers allowed the fewest fantasy points to wide receivers in week one. But again, this is the Dallas Cowboys offense. They are going to spread the ball around. This is a high over under. So you're going to want to get those two in your lineups. A wide receiver to watch, Cedric Wilson. Uh, he is that guy because we have to remember that uh, Gallup went down. He's out, I believe, uh, four to six weeks. Um, so Cedric Wilson should take that role kind of for the Dallas Cowboys. The other thing I do want to know is like you, what you could also see, because we saw it in that Tampa Bay game was that the Dallas Cowboys started to put Tony Pollard in as that slot wide receiver, even with Zeke on the field. And so I do think that there is some potential that uh, Tony Pollard's usage could go up during this time without Gallup. Uh, as they play him as a wide receiver, and therefore I'd be willing to flex him in a PPR league, and then we'll sit, wait and see for standard league, but certainly a PPR, I think he's worth a flex option there. Yeah, I think that's going to be the question. Cedric Wilson or maybe the tight ends, if we look at what Dalton Schultz was able to do against Tampa Bay, six of six receiving for 45 yards. I mean, that's tight end top 12 usage right there, even though we had liked, or me personally at least, had liked Blake Jarwin coming in who caught three of four for 20 against Tampa Bay. I want this to happen for Jarwin, but it looks as if Schultz might be the guy after his work in relief last year when Dalton Schultz or uh, when Blake Jarwin went down. Either way, it looks like we will both of these guys will eat into each other's value. And I can't confidently say to go and start one until we see more. Just a note on Dak. I mean, potentially better than ever. He looked really good in that Thursday night matchup. Demarcus Lawrence now out six to eight weeks with a broken foot. This defense con continuing to be porous as we have seen over the years. And if that is the case, then Dak continuing to smash will probably be the storyline each and every week. When we move to the Los Angeles Chargers, who will be the home team here, we had a lot of questions about, Austin Eckler, but they all seem to be around the goal line work. Now we're asking questions about the receiving work, right, Austin? Yeah, and it's a bit concerning, right? I mean, for a guy you drafted because of the role you presume to have him in catching passes, uh, not getting a target is concerning. Johnny will be the first to tell you how much more valuable a passing target is than a rushing carry. Um, and that's why Eckler was such an appealing option in the mid back first rounds and PPRs, you know, top of the second there and in, in other formats. So I am concerned about this. This is the first time Austin Eckler hasn't had a target since 2018. And with a new coach and a new system, it's possible they go a different way than the preseason narratives we were rolling out. Now, look, I think Eckler is going to bounce back and I think he's going to have a solid role in this offense, both in this week and moving forward. But you drafted Eckler for his receiving yards and the hope was Eckler breaks the 500 yards rushing and given this offense and the presumed role, he'd set a new personal record in the receiving yards, breaking his 993 PR and finally get over that four digit thousand yard mark. Um, again, zero receiving yards and zero targets in a competitive game. 
I am nervous that he wasn't game planned more. And speaking about that game plan, I watched an interview that he had with Liz Loza um, over at Yahoo. How you doing, Liz? Um, where he talked about the ways the offense shifted because of their rookie left tackle. The left tackle performed phenomenally. He did great. So he said, now he doesn't have to stay back and pass block as much. They said that was a part of it. He was going to be pass blocking more because of that rookie left tackle. Well, here's the thing. He had a really bad pass blocking score, according to Pro Football Focus. I'm talking single digits out of 100. It was literally the worst pass blocking grade I can ever remember seeing. He had like a six. I've never seen that before. So I don't even know how you get a score that low. Um, but it wasn't great. He said that's what he was supposed to be doing. Yeah. If he falls behind, I think he's going to be involved in game flow. But you didn't draft him to be a game flow dependent type of player. Right. Um I think Austin Eckler is going to be all right, but I'm a little bit nervous about his long season prediction and production. This, this is a good matchup to watch because they will definitely need to score points and use him through the passing attack, I'm sure, in this game because of the points that are projected to be scored here. So it'll be good to watch if that just writes itself. Because, look, I mean, Joe Lombardi came over from New Orleans. They wanted to use Eckler as their Kamara, they kept saying. Let's see them do that and actually stick to it. Um because last week they just basically used the wide receivers. I mean, if we look at the wide receivers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, both over 12 targets, both uh, just, at, well, I mean, Mike Williams, 82 yards. So both over double digit fantasy points, one touchdown uh, for Mike Williams. And then you see Keenan Allen, hundred yards, even Jalen Guyton is somebody, you know, even got five targets as well for 49 yards. Um, you know, even Jared Cook getting involved in this passing attack last week, eight targets. We talked about target usage for tight ends, and that's high up there. Uh, that actually tied for third among tight ends for Jared Cook. So just going down the pecking order here, obviously, Allen, we're auto starting, especially in this matchup. BMW was one of our favorite late round flyers, and he is rocking this week against uh, Dallas because, look, he just had a monster performance. You have the, the monster performance that they gave up to AB and to Godwin last week. I mean, LFG, I want to see Jalen Guyton a little bit here. I want to monitor his usage. I want to see it one more time, but this would be a sneaky ad before the waivers next week. Cause he could have a monster game. I, I just don't know if I'm, you know, dialing him up right here. I have enough confidence to do so. And then finally with, with Jared cook, I think maybe, you know, Herbert's usage of the tight ends wasn't talked about enough in the offseason, and maybe Cook's familiarity with this offense from New Orleans wasn't either. I actually love him this week. He'd be an, uh, 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 one of my big starts this week because I think Cook is going to be used by Herbert. That's what we've seen him do with his tight ends, um, and I think Cook has a chance to be one of those fringe top tight ends uh, again this year. Johnny, with Justin Herbert, this is the game, right? I mean, last week he didn't really hit a ceiling, but he was slinging it kind of all over the place. This is the game to smash stardom. Yeah, we told you on last week's breakdown show that it might start a little bit rough, especially due to the matchup. However, this week, you're definitely get them in there. Like we said, high over under. That means there should be plenty of points scored and we should see Herbert try to keep up with Dak and the Dallas offense. So definitely a auto start for me when it comes to Herbert this week. All right, I want to let Whisper Nation know about Underdog Fantasy. We were talking about Zeke and the ability to maybe smash the .5 touchdown mark there. If that's on Underdog Fantasy, you should smash it. It's the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. They have player prop bets like the over-under on touchdowns, receiving yardage, rushing totals, and more. 
We will be helping you build a few bet slips each week. And when you go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, they're going to give you $10 when you use the promo code TFW. That is underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the promo code TFW for 10 bucks of free money. That's TFW for $10 with Underdog Fantasy. All right, we've got to talk about the Sunday night football matchup, guys. We've got the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Kansas City Chiefs, Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes in a 55-point over-under. And surprisingly, Kansas City only favored by three and a half. I thought after Baltimore's performance on Monday night, this might be a bigger line, especially after Kansas City's performance. But I think they're banking on the fact that when these two meet up, it's usually a lot closer. Um We'll start with the Kansas City side of the ball, Austin. We'll start with our confidence level moving forward in CEH and especially in this tough matchup. I think you're muted, Austin. <laughs> Much appreciated on this. So what do I like about CEH? Dominated snapshot was 72% versus Williams is 22. Had 14 carries. Nobody else had more than one. He had three targets, caught them all. Great. What don't I like? Horrible pass blocking score uh, week one. Um, deep red. And not very efficient numbers either. 14 carries for just 43 yards, right around over three yards per carry. Andy Reid and Kansas City are not going to stand for this poor efficiency for very long. They will continue to experiment with packages and rolls until they are playing their best football. This is not their best football from the running game. I don't believe this is, uh, which which is where CEH's role and production remains unclear for me. Um, he's going to be the leader. He's going to be involved and this offense is going to be very good, but how much of a committee this is going to turn into, I'm not totally sure. And here's the point that we're not evaluating yet is that this team has brought in veterans in the past. They did it just last year with Le'Veon Bell. They could go ahead and do it again. Right now we're saying, oh, he's the best of what's there. What's there could change overnight. So if CEH doesn't pick it up, it will change. It's just that type of team and coach where they're not going to stand for this type of poor efficiency. Johnny, I'll just be interested to see Jarek McKinnon's usage in this game. You know, like how long before they start mixing in Jarek McKinnon? And I'm not saying Jarek McKinnon's some world beater, but to Austin's point, they should start maybe they start working in more options here to try and mess with the, you know, efficiency of the offense. But moving on to the pass catchers here, I want to talk a little bit about how we've just been begging for a third option in the passing game. And I just think that Reed is too good at calling plays and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are too special for anything else to emerge at this time. You know, you've seen McCole Hardman last week, three of three for 19 yards. And then the rest, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle can combine for two catches and 15 yards. No other wide receiver excites me in Kansas City except for keeping McCole Hardman stashed as he could be a dominant player should Tyreek Hill go down. But other than that, I'm not really looking to roll out McCole Hardman in, you know, save for a matchup against maybe Dallas where you really need a what the heck flex and you're trying to get it in there. Um, I just don't think McCole Hardman is producing enough for us to really think of a viable third option in the passing game. And then just quickly on Travis Kelsey before I toss it to Johnny on Patrick Mahomes, I was admittedly scared because he shaved his beard off but I mean now he has a touchdown in six of his last eight games so no fear of the beard or lack thereof here for me Johnny Pat Mahomes that offensive line he looked to be back to his dominant self yeah I mean it was kind of interesting it was one of those Pat, Pat Mahomes performances where like he really wasn't doing much in the beginning you got a little concerned and then in a snap of a finger all of a sudden he had put up two tutties and yeah all was well and then he ended up having a, a good fantasy day I do think that even though Baltimore Ravens matchup on paper looks to be a little bit difficult 
you're still going to throw him in your lineup. Again, you're not going to bench Pat, uh, Pat Mahomes. And I do want to note that last year we got one of Pat Mahomes' best games against Baltimore. He usually shows up and shows out to show Lamar Jackson what he wish he could do and uh, the quarterback he wish he could be you know, in the NFL. What I wish everybody could do that's watching right now would hit that like and subscribe button here on the YouTube channel and help us grow the channel. It would help us in a big way. We're trying to get over 2,000 subs by the time we rock into week three, so please help us out. We'll move on to the Baltimore side of the football, and I think one of the biggest question marks for me, Austin, was watching Tyson Williams' usage go from a first-half you know, explosive back to Tyson in some sort of timeshare uh, now as you know, Greg Roman saying we're going to use every single back on the line or in the on the roster and there's some reason to believe that they're not messing around in 2020 no halfback broke 40 percent snap share on the year same story in 2019 not a single halfback broke 46 percent and the same story in 2018 except that season no halfback broke 27 percent um you'd have to go back to 2014 that's seven years ago to find a season where john harbaugh gave a halfback more than 50 percent of the snaps and i know you know who this one was big travi <laughs> that season it was justin Forsett with 65.7 percent my point with all of this is that Baltimore wants to be a committee system. History shows that, and the words this week back up that history. Harbaugh has a committee right now. He wants to run a committee, um, and he will run a committee. It's going to be difficult to predict. It's going to be frustrating. Um, I'd consider trading Tyson Williams if you've got anybody in your league who actually believes that he's going to be the guy we saw in the first half and not the guy we saw in the second half. Johnny, I want to look at Marquise Brown, who we had a sighting of last week or on Monday night in that great live stream that we had. And then Andrews, who actually did the reverse and kind of disappeared on Monday night, which is more likely to continue for you, Johnny? Do you see Mark Andrews kind of uh, relegated to a secondary option or do you think Marquise Brown uh, continues to stay and be what he is? Yeah, so I am really kind of not really kind of I am I'm concerned about Mark Andrews uh, and and what his market share and usage could potentially be and that he yes, we know what his ceiling is. He can be one of the best tight ends in this league. However, I wanted to point this out. He has scored five or fewer half point PPR points in the last two matchups against Kansas City. Who Obviously, we know he plays Kansas City this week, so not a great matchup for him. And I also want to point out that seven of his last 15 games, he has been held to seven fantasy points or fewer. And in nine of those 15 games, he has seen six or fewer targets in a game. So there is a lot of concern for me about Mark Andrews. We already knew the passing volume wasn't high, and it is starting to look like he isn't that primary option for Lamar Jackson anymore. He, you know, Lamar is starting to spread the ball around to his receivers a little bit more, getting a little comfortable with that. And so I do think there's some troubling concern for Mark Andrews, not only this week, but moving forward this season, because the, the passing volume is just not going to be there to sustain that. And then as far as the, the thing that kind of surprised me, and, and I want to toss it to you guys, too, to get your thoughts on this, because I, I, I picked up on this stat this morning as, as we were doing these stats uh, for the show, and I thought it was very interesting. Marquise Brown, who we all know is kind of a, a, a you know, we weren't really hyping up. A lot of people weren't really hyping him up uh, during the offseason. However, dating back to last year, Marquise Brown has had seven straight games of double-digit fantasy points. He has caught a touchdown pass in six of those seven games. And so, yes, you could say he's touchdown-dependent somewhat, 
However, if you're getting the consistency at that, you know, in at the at the touchdown on the on the touchdowns, and you're becoming the go-to guy in the red zone for Lamar Jackson, there is some upside there as a as a flex play because you were getting him super deep in in uh, drafts, and so I wouldn't mind playing Marquise in this in this matchup. Of course, we know they're going to have to put up points, keep up with Kansas City. And it's looking like Marquise is actually emerging as Lamar's number one option. And so that's where I would go. I know Sammy Watkins had a big week one, almost hit 100 yards. But let me remind you, like, same story, different year, different chapter, but it all begins the same. Once upon a time, Sammy Watkins week one went off. Then what does he do the rest of the season? Get hurt. Yeah, so uh, I'm not buying into the Sammy Watkins uh, week one. I'm not picking him up or playing him in this game, even though it could be a revenge game. Maybe uh, I don't know. I don't you, know. I want to ask you, Johnny. Do you, do you think if Sammy Watkins stays healthy, play there? If Sammy Watkins is healthy, do you think that this kind of type of production could continue at all? The camps, the reports coming out of camp were that he was the best wide receiver week one. He was the most targeted. He had the best game. If he's healthy, can he keep this up, or do you think health be gone? The man is just washed. Health be gone. He's he's, and it's not solely that he's just washed. Like he can produce, but he's not. He doesn't have that high high upside because Lamar Jackson's pass volume is not going to be there. So, and you're still talking like Bateman's supposed to come back at some point in this offense. It's looking like Brown is is like the, has the most connection with Lamar, and so I I don't think that Sammy Watkins is once again. I I I've never really been on the Sammy Watkins train. I think he's I a, a solid wide receiver, but I don't think you're going to want to play him in fantasy. Yeah, it's an interesting case. I, I We don't have a lot of track record, Austin, of a guy like coming on late and then staying healthy when he has had injury issues yeah. before. But like maybe, you know, maybe that happens. Maybe we get something unlocked in the passing attack. I mean, just when I look at Lamar, though, uh, it's not looking great no matter what is going on in the passing attack. He's not thrown for over 250 yards in his last 17 games. Jalen Hurts has the same amount of 300-plus yard passing games in five starts as Lamar Jackson has in 43 of them. Um, I think Lamar, with these banged-up weapons and subpar offensive attack that we saw, the mixing of the run game, which doesn't seem to get them in any kind of rhythm, the offensive line, which they did a lot of work on, didn't seem to be holding up even against a, you know, not, I would say a subpar uh, Las Vegas attack last week. Um I don't know if he's going to reach the ceiling that we thought. I would be wait, wanting, waiting for a big game. This could be it, high over under, and looking to deal him. And then I keep an eye on the waiver wire in your league for a guy like Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Jameis Winston, guys with you know, probably maybe higher ceilings this year for me than what I'm seeing out of Lamar so far over the last you know 17 or so games. If he's not going to get the high touchdown rate that he had in his MVP season. He's going to need to throw for some more yards, and he's not doing that either. And so I just think, yeah, he's never going to give you like a below 15, 18-point game because of the rushing, but he's also never going to hit that ceiling of, of Dak or, or Kyler Murray numbers. And that, you know, we were still drafting him high enough to kind of do that, and, he, and it just doesn't look very good right now. All right, we've got to move on to the Sunday or the Monday night football game. We have the Green Bay Packers hosting the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football, uh, hosted on ESPN. It, Green Bay, 10.5-point favorites in a 48.5-point over-under. So Detroit, again, being disrespected via, via Vegas here. We start on the Detroit uh, side of the ball. Um, 
Also, I'll start with you because I had Goff in, in a start sit column on the site this week as a sit. Uh, and last week he was a sit in that column, but he yeah. posted the number three QB numbers last week. We streaming him at all here. We saw Jameis go off against Green Bay. I mean, it is if we look at all of the metrics and the logic that you'd apply for Jared Goff right now, I don't know how you can walk away and say that he's not a streaming option. I'm not saying he's a streamable success yet. We're going to have to see what happens. And I know that's a really wishy-washy take. But what we do know is that Goff is the number three quarterback in the NFL who just faced a decent defense in San Francisco, we expect. So he's absolutely streamable throughout the season. He's a number three quarterback right now. But do I think he's going to be consistent? I don't know how he could be consistent with the lack of weapons Detroit has, along with the pedigree of the organization and the new coaching system. It just doesn't make for a consistent outlook. But any given Sunday is real. And Goff took a team to the Super Bowl, and I think he's being undervalued on a weekly basis. Um, This team is going up against a disgruntled Green Bay team that stacks middle of the road in terms of pass defense. I don't hate it, to be honest. In two quarterback leagues, I kind of love it. Um, I probably don't think this is the best start in standard-ish leagues. There's probably somebody else out there that's better than Jared Goff, but I get Derek Carr vibes right now from Jared Goff, even going back the last couple of years where Jared Goff didn't have great weapons. He was always kind of a pedestrian quarterback that we expected more from early in his career, but then still gets you a few games every season where you know he's pushing 40-plus fantasy points. That's what I expect for Jared Goff moving forward. It's going to be difficult to nail down, but he's going to win you some weeks when you picked him up off the waiver wire for sure. If we look at some of those weapons that Goff has, and outside of TJ Hawkinson as pass catchers, I don't I don't really see much. I don't want any part of this wide receiver by committee mess that's in Detroit right now. All five wide receivers last week had two or more catches. There's no favorite here um, and other than the backs and Hawkinson. You know, look at Hawkinson, second only to Darren Waller in targets. He got three more than any other tight end last week, went 8 of 11 for 97 yards and a touchdown, also got a two-point conversion. Hawkinson looking like the guy I was writing about in my bromance uh, and I was talking about is the guy you want to target. He's looking good right now, at least his target volume. want to talk to Johnny about the running backs, right? Because we may see something here where both are going to be viable going forward and for sure DeAndre Swift used through the passing attack. Yeah, so I am... (laughs) This is going to be a heavily involved running attack for the Detroit Lions all year long. I'll touch on Jamal Williams really quick. I do think that you can play him in this game. I think that they're going, you know, the way you attack Green Bay is not through passing. It's through the run game. And so I do believe that Jamal Williams in a revenge game. Can we get a revenge game on a Monday night? He did see 18 total touches in week one, which is definitely worthy of a uh, at least a flex play for you with the upside. He did average six yards per carry, which was nice uh, because we did see him, you know, come in with Green Bay and he actually had a nice yards per carry, but never to that extent. So very nice seeing that, but I got to touch. Can we just, I am so like, yeah. Oh, last week, DeAndre Swift goes off and and produces and hopefully put a lot of haters and doubters to bed. But if not, 22 total touches in that game. I think it's going to continue because this Detroit Lions team is, is down. And who do you want in that offense? You want the pass catching guy. And Swift had 11 reception or 11 targets. And then can we just stop doubting DeAndre Swift, please? I'm just asking. Can we please stop doubting? <laughs> This guy, this is how real this is and how, like, people's perceptions versus reality is so off. DeAndre Swift, this is reality. He has only scored single-digit fantasy points in three of his games as a professional running back. 
in half point PPR. It, it's it, there should be no more question. He's a locked and loaded minimum RB two for you by the end of this year. He's going to be an RB one, and people are going to stop hating. Stop hating on my boy DeAndre Swift. I love it. Love the fervor. Love the energy here. And I would love if Whisper Nation could give us a like and a subscribe and help us grow the channel. We are trying to get to over 2000 subscribers on YouTube by the time we rock and roll into week three. So please help us hit that goal and continue to help us grow the family, the nation, Whisper Nation. As we move on to the Green Bay Packers, Austin, this is our Packers, and it was a brutal week for us to watch. Uh, And we've got to ask if this rushing attack at Aaron Jones, who a lot of us were taking in the first round, can get a take two here. Yeah, you should have taken him in the first round. He's a phenomenal running back. He's an elite talent who's been a top five the last two seasons. But nine total carries last week between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Jameis Winston, as we mentioned earlier in the program, had nearly 40 fantasy points on under 150 passing yards. I can't ever remember a situation like this. And Aaron Rodgers right now looks like he's a part of the shameless cast. Look, I'm not concerned season long, but I am paying close attention. I have to chalk this game up as a wash and just start it over. Go with your preseason predictions on this one. Minus Aaron Rodgers for me. I've got him in a couple of leagues. I'm going to pause on him. Um, But staying with the halfback situation, Aaron Jones, we mentioned how great of a talent that he is. The Packers are going to bounce back. Um, How high they'll bounce, I'm not totally sure. I'm obviously hoping for the best, but... The alternative is just too haunting for this Packers fan. Um, to to So we'll see what happens, man. I, I think they'll bounce back. I don't know how they can't not bounce back. But there's also a world where Aaron Rodgers is pulling something really diabolical. Um, I don't want to go down that conspiracy theory. <laughs> I think Aaron Jones is going to be just fine. I think A.J. Dillon will be all right, too. Yeah, I have to skim over that conspiracy theory because we could really get divulged here. I want to talk about the fact – Johnny, that we talked about this offense could regress. It was very efficient last year. We knew that. We knew Rodgers could have a chance at regressing. But this kind of regression in week one, I mean, if this is the case, we don't want any part of this. What I do want to ask is the secondary weapons. We think that Devontae Adams is going to be just fine. We think that Aaron Rodgers gets right. We think that, as Austin said, Aaron Jones gets right. But outside of Devontae Adams in this passing attack, we were kind of excited about guys like Robert Tunyon. And now, again, I don't even want to say it, but MVS is is working his way onto the radar. How do you see the secondary options in this Detroit matchup. Well, MVS actually led this team in targets last week with eight targets. I do think that there is a lot of upside with MVS. You know, we got a lot of hype in the off season or in the training camp as well. It translated over to eight targets. Definitely keep that monitored. I do think he's the wide receiver two there for Green Bay. As far as Tunyon, I know last week was a disappointing week, but even in a terrible you know, game script and game, he did still see four targets. I want to note that Kittle against this Detroit Lions defense got 78 receiving yards uh, on only five targets last week uh, against, again, the same defense. So I'm willing to throw Tunyon out there again this week if you uh, are, are weary about it. I think this is a major ba- bounce back week on a Monday night. What spells all of that? and feeds into Rogers, uh, you know, uh, excitement and, and showing the world that he still has it than that. So I do think that you can roll with Robert T Bobby T pity fool this weekend. Oh, Johnny's not going to let that one die, but uh, we'll move on. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers' death can be proclaimed just yet. QB Aaron Rodgers has started 21 games against Detroit and has helped guide the Packers to a 16-5 and record in those contests. He's thrown for 43 touchdowns compared to just eight interceptions against Detroit. That's 104.8 passer rating. He's posted 100-plus 
passer rating in 13 games in the, against the Lions in his career of those games we talked about. So 13 out of 21 has 20 or more fantasy points in four of his last five starts against Detroit. Usually pretty good after a blowout loss. We could look to just last year when he lost to Tampa Bay and scored only five points. He came back against Houston, tossed four tutties and in standard scoring got 27 fantasy points. So I think your confidence should be very high in Aaron Rodgers coming into this week. I think you should be very locked and loaded into Rodgers in your lineup. And if we see if we're here on Tuesday telling you, you know, that Rodgers looked like the shameless class player again, then I would be a little bit panicked. But I think Detroit is the perfect get right situation for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Well, if you could help us out by hitting that like and subscribe, we are on our way out. That does it for us and part two of the weekly matchup show. Make sure you get part one by subscribing anywhere you get your podcast. And if you have any further lineup questions, tune in Sunday morning on YouTube an hour and a half before pick kickoff and check the fantasy as well for our weekly rankings for Johnny game time Hicks for Austin Sear. I am big Travi and we are the fantasy whispers and we're out of here. Peace. Bye. Oh, hey, you made it to the end of the video. If you like what you saw, go ahead and hit subscribe. Make sure you hit that bell so you get notified anytime we drop new content or go live. And if you're still not told yet, check out one of these videos.